Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Tonight, I want to talk to you about something short and sweet. Do you guys like short and sweet? It's summer, short and sweet. Ice cream, sunshine. We don't need to be in here all night, but I do have a message I want to share with you that I'm calling When People Play God. You guys know I only talk to you about what I'm dealing with in my life, so we're all in this together. This is something God has been helping me see when people play God. So I mean this in two different ways. Number one is people are literally acting like they're God in their life. This is me. This is what I'm learning, okay? This is a non-judgmental zone, right? When people play God... I play God so much in my life. Emily had to throw her phone. That statement was so great. (laughs) I don't know if that means I should stop or keep going. When people play God, I think so many times I have been frustrated at things not working out in my life. And that's because I was trying to be God in that situation. I was mad because God didn't do what I wanted him to. But I actually gave him no room to move because I did everything the way I wanted to. This is a hard life lesson, you guys. I'm telling you while you're young. Don't play God. I'll say it again. Too many times I was mad because God didn't do what I asked him to do when I gave him no room to move because I controlled everything in that situation and I did it my way. So I said, God, please move. And then I removed myself from him as far as possible with my decisions. It didn't work out good. That's one way we can play God. But here's the other thing I mean by playing God. It's like we're just treating him so lightly, and we lose sight of the fact that when we sign up to be a Christian, it means that we actually get to live an entirely new life. And too many of us are settling for a normal human experience when God actually designed for us to live a supernatural human experience. God died to get me to heaven. That's 100% true. But God also died, Jesus died, so that I could have heaven on earth. We saw that Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread, um, forgive us our trespasses, blah, blah, blah. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've been thinking about the Lord's Prayer for weeks. I've never really thought about it that much. I had to memorize it in preschool. I remember we said it every day. I went to a Christian preschool, so I knew it when I was like four. But I just have been thinking about it lately that... There's a supernatural way for us to go through our human experience, and we shouldn't be doing it in a normal way. We don't have to struggle like everybody else. We don't have to have the same challenges as everybody else. We shouldn't be helpless and hopeless like everyone else. And I'm not criticizing you for struggling because this is, again, a message to me. But too many times I let myself struggle when I don't have to just because I'm trying to be the God of my life instead of letting God be God in my life. So don't play God. And I found this passage in Proverbs 16 that I love. I'm going to read quite a few verses through here so you guys can just listen for a minute. And I've kind of gone through and picked out different sections. So if you read it at home, there's even more in here. But starting in verse 1, it says this. Mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word. Humans are satisfied with whatever looks good, but God probes for what is good. Put God in charge of your work then what you've planned will take place. I love that one. Put God in charge of your work, then what you've planned will take place. When God approves of your life, even your enemies will end up shaking your hand. We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. 
Get wisdom, it's worth more than money. Choose insight over income every time. The road of right living bypasses evil. Watch your step and save your life. Can you guys take this? I mean, gosh. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. It pays to take life seriously. Things work out when you trust in God. There's a way that looks harmless enough, but look again because it leads straight to hell. Make your motions and cast your votes, but God has the final say. Now, it's interesting because when I first read this chapter, I was like, oh, that, I feel that. That hurt just a little. There's a lot that feels like it's kind of just like zingers in here, right and left, right and left. But really the conclusion I came to is that this is actually such a comforting way to think. It takes the pressure 100% off of me to figure my life out. It says trust in God, do things his way, and then your life will work out. That means you don't have to come up with a single plan, period. This is actually a really liberating, freeing way to live, to give your entire life to God and really let him be God over all of it. Because as that passage made clear, God brings success to our lives. God is the one who brings joy and happiness to our lives. I love that verse that says, put God in charge of your work, then what you've planned will take place. Because listen, if God is not in charge of your life, what you've planned will probably not take place, right? All of us plan to be happy. All of us plan to be successful, right? Those plans might look a little different for each of us in the room, right? I'm not trying to be a professional football player, but that might make some of you really happy. So that can vary a little bit. But at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. And God is saying, listen, give your plans to me, and I can guarantee that you will actually end up where you want to be. I will get you where you want to go. And I want to just remind us tonight, you are not designed or equipped or skilled or built to be the God of your life. You literally don't have it in you. And that's not a criticism. That is the way every single one of us are made as humans by God. I do not have what it takes to run my life. I don't. I don't have what it takes to make myself happy. I don't have what it takes to make myself successful. I don't have what it takes to make the money that I need, have the relationships I want to have. Absolutely none of it. There is not the equipment in me to be the God of my life. There's not. And this is actually great news. Too many times Christians are looking at this like in a, a negative way, like, oh, like I'm so torn because I want to do this, but I feel like God wants me to do this. They don't trust God that he knows them completely, that he loves them completely, and that the things that he put in their heart, he's going to bring them to pass. The reason you want the things you want is because God put that in you. The dreams that you have, they're not just your dreams. Don't be arrogant enough to think that your human brain came up with this amazing dream for your life. The things we see on social media are not the things dreams are made of anyway. The older I get, the less my dreams include houses or cars or vacations because at the end of the day, none of that matters if I don't have joy and peace. Absolutely none of it. That is not a dream life. A dream life is going to sleep and waking up every day with joy and peace that can't be shaken. That is the dream life. But at the same time, I know that you have dreams in your heart, dreams about your future, things you want to accomplish. God is the one who put those there so you can trust him completely to bring those out and to fulfill those in your life. God wants you to be happy more than you want to be happy. 
He wants that for your life. He has designed the perfect life for you, and he's the one who's able to be God in your life. And I love that Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is so powerful, but so off-putting to many people, and I just don't see why. So I want to shift the way that we're thinking tonight. Your life is not yours. If you live in the United States of America, you don't like to hear that. We value autonomy. We value self. We value uh, a sense of pride, right, in our nation and in ourself. The Bible does not ever tell us to be proud of ourselves. I don't know. The Bible doesn't ever tell us to be proud of our country, I don't think. But that's not the message tonight. And I'm grateful to live here. I'm not, I'm not shading that whatsoever. But this whole idea of me being so important and me working hard to make my life what I want it to be is completely opposite to what the Christian life should look like. Paul literally said, my life is not my own. And again, this is good news. When I lived life as if it was mine, I hated my life. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. And I didn't end up where I wanted to be. It is so liberating and freeing to say, listen, my life is not mine, but it's God's. So I know where I'm going to end up. I know the things that he's going to bring into my life. I know that I'm going to have joy and peace. I know that I'm going to find success no matter what happens. I know that I'll have peace and protection no matter what goes on around me, no matter what happens in my family. I can actually have peace of mind knowing my life is not mine. It's actually God's. That means I'm perfectly taken care of. That doesn't mean I I lose my sense of self. That doesn't mean I'm unimportant. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to get what I want. I want what I want because God put that in my heart. And the way that I get there is by saying my life is not my own. It's God's. In Isaiah 55, it says this, verses 8 and 9. God tells us, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are higher than yours. The way that God has planned your life will probably look quite a bit different than the plan that you came up with. And this is good news. I'm going to say that all night tonight. This is good news. My life is not my own, and this is good news. God is designed to be the God of my life, and this is good news. But also, God is not at odds with the dreams and desires of your heart. He says, my ways are higher and my thoughts are higher. What God has planned for your life is higher than what you've planned for your life. And that is so exciting. The biggest thing that you and I could dream up for our dream life is nothing compared to what God has planned for us. We can trust him completely. The Bible says we know this verse. We've heard it so many times. He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Or the message says God can do anything, you know. That's great news because guess what? You can't do anything. You can do almost nothing, or that's been my experience. I certainly can't do anything, and I can really do almost nothing. But God can do anything, you know. So if I let him be in control of my life, the limits are truly off to what my life can look like. I cannot overemphasize this, you guys. I found out in just a short number of years how miserable I can make my own life. Through my own choices that I thought would make me happy, they were disastrous. <laughs> this occurred until like age probably 24 or 25, and then I was like, something has to change here. <laughs> uh, and, and we made some good life decisions after that. But 
you know, it's just such good news to realize that a life with God is completely unlimited. Everything that you are wanting out of life is found in God, and I mean everything. And I didn't believe that when I was 15, and I didn't believe it when I was 19, and I didn't fully believe it when I was 23, but the older I get, the more I'm like, yes, literally everything I want is found in God, all of it. And so it is great news to say that he has a plan for my life, and he's the God of my life. So I want to talk to you about three things tonight, telling you how to let God be God in your life. If you struggle with being God, that is okay. We all do. But I'm going to talk to you about how to let God be God. The first thing is to be consistent in your relationship with him. Be consistent in your relationship with him. You have to realize that if you don't allow God to take his rightful place in your life, someone else will. You have a God of your life. It might be you. It might be other people. It might actually be God, but every single one of us has a God of our life, and our God is the answer to why our life looks the way that it does. If you remain in consistent, committed relationship with God, you allow him to be the God of your life. And I'll say it like this. The person that you communicate with the most is directing your life. The person you communicate with the most is directing your life. What do we always say about our friends when they start making bad choices? Before those bad choices, they just started hanging out with the wrong people, right? They started dating this girl. They started talking to this guy. They met these other friends. Who you hang out with is dictating the way that your life is going. And I'll say this. Very few people are truly in control of their own life. There's one lady who is on, um, oh, what's that show where she, like, lives in Alaska and she's killed a bear? You know who I'm talking about? This woman is, like, 60. She's built different. She lives in Alaska, literally, like, hours away from the nearest grocery store. She stays on this, like, remote campground where people are there some parts of the year, but most of the year they're not because it's Alaska and you can't handle the cold and snow. Literally, she was out checking, like, her bear traps one night. She got attacked by a bear. She had to shoot it with a gun. It mauled her leg. She had to be dragging herself to the closest snowmobile, got herself to the hospital, and she lives today. But she is haunted by that experience, and she's transparent about it. I'm shook by this woman. I'm bringing her up just to say, I think she's probably in control of her own life. The rest of us are probably not. We fool ourselves into thinking, yeah, my life's under control. I'm the one who's choosing what I want to do. Your choices are being made by those you communicate with the most. Your choices are made by those that you allow around you, okay? And God actually set it up this way. It's really kind of cool that as humans, community influences us so much. That's why the body of Christ and the church is so important because it's a community that is designed to influence us in the right way, to make right choices, to grow closer to God, and to make the decisions that align with the way God's word tells us to live, right? That's what good community does. In the same way, you will be influenced by the wrong community to make choices that are not going to get you where you want to go. Your life is not your own, and the reason you're making the choices you're making is because of the people around you, right? Whoever you communicate with the most has the most influence in your life and directs your life. That's why you need to stay in consistent communication with God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Always be joyful. 
Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. These are very simple statements, but one of them is never stop praying. He's saying, listen, never stop talking to God. Never stop talking to God. Never stop talking to God. How many of us go days without talking to God? We love God, and we like God, and we want to know God, but we go days without talking to him, so we won't know him. He won't be the God of our life, and he can't be the God of our life when we don't even talk to him. Never stop praying. The Bible also tells us this in Jeremiah 15, 16. This is one of my favorite verses for several months now. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And I love this illustration. I've been thinking of it super practically, of eating God's word. And it's, it's an overused example, but it's, I think, one that makes so much sense. We never forget to eat. We do not go days without eating, right? We don't even go hours without eating unless we have to. We don't even go one hour without eating, right? Depending on if we're home or if we're at school. We, we don't stop eating. We could probably stand to eat less in the United States. That's data. But, you know, we don't miss a meal. But how many days have I been content to skip the word of God? That is literally the food for my spirit that God has given me. Why am I okay with going without that, you know? Why am I okay with not talking to God? If I say I love him more than anything, God, I'm committed to you. God, I want your plan for my life. I feel like he's like, that's great, but why don't you talk to me? We'll never get there if you don't know me. Whoever you communicate with the most has the most influence in your life. So for God to be God, you're going to have to communicate with him consistently. And you don't have to spend hours unbroken talking to him. There are very few people in the world who can spend four hours with God uninterrupted, right? But it's consistency. You don't have to spend hours, but please don't go hours without talking to him. You know, none of us can spend days with him, but don't go days without talking to him. Do what it takes to remind yourself to talk to God. After you start, you won't have to remind yourself, but do what it takes to remind yourself to get in his word daily. Doesn't have to be chapters and chapters, but I love what Anzi said. He encouraged us a couple months back, hey, go ahead and do a whole chapter. Go ahead and put the time in. Don't settle just for one verse. Okay, great. That's good. Thanks, God. You know, you don't build a great relationship with somebody by hanging out with them once or by reading their same text they sent you last Thursday over and over every day, right? That gets kind of weird. God's saying the same thing. Listen, I want to talk to you every day. Spend time with me. Being consistent in your relationship with God will keep you close to him and will keep him number one in your life. It will allow him to be God in your life. The second thing I want to say is to show up and serve. This is the way of Christianity. Show up and serve. Show up and serve. It's interesting that I see sometimes a lot of people after they leave a church complain about how much they served at that church. And this isn't a criticism of of anybody specific whatsoever. But... I would never tie serving to a church. Serving is not something that was instituted by a church. It's the way of a Christian as instituted by the life of Jesus. 
right? Serving others is what we do because we're Christians. That involves serving at church, definitely, because that's a great place for us to serve. But my whole life should be serving. I shouldn't be irritated about having to come early on Sunday morning to serve because this is what I do. I serve, why? Because I'm a Christian and I'm demonstrating the love that God has for others by serving them. But even more powerful I have found in my life is that serving others and focusing on them will make me less focused on me. It is so much easier to recognize God in the world and to allow him to be God in my life when I'm serving others. When I don't serve others, I have all the time in the world to focus on myself, and that is not normally a good thing. (laughs) I don't need any more pity parties for my own self and how difficult my life is. But the Bible puts it this way, Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, says this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I know that there's a balance here, but sometimes uh, I believe people are missing out on the blessing of serving because they're just over here saying, like, well, you know, I I just need to take care of myself. And you do need to take care of yourself, okay? I'm a people pleaser, so I need that message of, like, make sure you're healthy first and then help others. That's completely valid. But our culture has taught us to cater to ourselves so much that it seems like people are forgetting how to serve. And they're saying that, you know, serving is going to make them burnt out. Serving will give you life. (laughs) Serving will literally bring you life. The Bible says that he who refreshes other people is going to be refreshed himself. So if you're feeling burnt out, the key is actually to start refreshing some people around you. And I shared this recently on a Sunday. I got to volunteer at a youth detention center for like a decade. And it was a wild and fun experience. But I can't tell you how many times. um, And some of that was during like the worst times in my life. So my anxiety was bad and my depression was horrible and I didn't always feel like being there. But every single time when I left in the car, I was filled with such gratitude that I normally had tears in my eyes because I had all of my first world problems that I thought were so big and I sat down with some people whose lives were very different than mine and realized that I had so much to be grateful for and that I was a big baby. I'm not trying to be too harsh, but listen, our culture has allowed us to just, um, gosh, just be unwilling to push ourselves into serving other people just because we're kind of like tired or we're kind of worn out. And I get it, but self-care is not going to refresh you. I don't feel better after my bath. I don't feel better after half a day on the couch. I really don't. Rest has its place, but that does not fix my mental health issues at all. And I'm not trying to go too hard on that, but like I've noticed that even in my own life of like, Me kind of wanting to skip out on stuff to take care of myself. When I go to the word of God, it says, no, no, no. Listen, girl, you're a Christian. That means you're a servant of others. You get off the couch and you go serve. It's not a big deal to show up to church early to serve because there's so much in it for me. Serving you guys brings so much joy and refreshing to me. Serving other people, giving to other people is so transformative. And it does something for me that self-care never could. Self-care could never. Bubble baths could never. Like, you know, we've just, it's important to make allowance for mental health. So I want to 
handle this delicately and with balance. But too many times, there's too many people just skipping out on serving because they're just, you know, feeling kind of like worn out and they're busy. You will be busy for the rest of your life. (laughs) You will have things to do for the rest of your life. You will finish things and you'll be like, oh, now I'm going to have more free time. And somehow you magically do not have more free time. I don't understand it. But that's how it's gone in my life. So it is important for me to remember that I need to find ways to serve. Because that goes a long way in keeping God, God in my life simply by taking my eyes off myself. It reminds me that I am not that important. I'm important to God, but am I really important in the grand scheme of the world? Absolutely not. I don't matter. If I was gone tomorrow, there would be someone to take my place. So it's important to serve because it reminds me that God is God and that I am not as important as I was thinking I was. The last thing I want to say tonight, how to let God be God, is to learn to predict your patterns. Learn to predict your patterns. This is what God is helping me do right now. Listen to this, Proverbs 26, 11 through 12. This is really tasty. Fools are famous for repeating their errors like dogs are known to return to their vomit. There's only one thing worse than a fool, and that is the smug, conceited man always in love with his own opinions. The Bible is telling us, listen, you will have a propensity to be like dogs. Have you guys ever seen your dog vomit? Have you seen what they do after that if you don't catch them in time? No? Someone said no, so I must explain. Dogs will eat their own vomit. There's a lot of things that are gross in this world, but that ranks pretty high. But that is what the Bible says. A fool repeating his bad decisions is like a dog eating his vomit. So it has become so important to me in my life to recognize What are the areas that I try to be God? What are the areas that I try to let other people be God? Where do I struggle to really let God be God? Because if I don't start doing things differently, my life is not going to change. And I will keep eating my vomit over and over and over. And it will get worse every time. Fools are famous for repeating their errors. Understand that you are prone to making the same mistake over and over and over again. Now, your life doesn't have to be that way. This is half of it, recognizing that that's what I'm predisposed to. Like, I am predispositioned to repeating my errors over and over again. But there's a way that you don't have to. If you will learn to predict your patterns and identify the areas where you tend to not let God be God, it will give you the ability to take those areas to him and give them to him and focus on allowing him to be God in those areas. You have got to learn how you work. Too many people, you know them because you can see it in other people. They're like, I just don't know why my life is always crazy. And you're looking at them and you're like, well, I could give you about 15 reasons and I barely know you, right? It's easy for us to see those things in other people, but it's not always easy for us to see those things in ourselves. I was um, convicted recently because I was in a situation and I was defending myself in a little bit and I was saying, well, listen, I'm really trying. And then later I was like, am I really trying? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not trying at all. (laughs) I'm really not trying. But that's what we do as humans. We're like, listen, I'm really trying, okay? Well, are you spending time with God consistently? If the answer is no, you are not really trying. If you are not letting God be God in your life, you cannot be confused as to why your life is a mess. And again, I do not mean any of this in a way that's critical or insulting. There is so much power in realizing, like, hey, I am like this, (laughs) so let me become like this, right? I have to see 
the problem to be able to take that problem to God. Learn to recognize your patterns. When do you make bad decisions? Who's with you when you make those bad decisions? That's a pattern. What do you do when you're stressed? That's a pattern. What do you do when you're feeling depressed? That's a pattern. What do you do when you have an awful day? That's a pattern. And your patterns are the reason your life is the way that it is. Learn to involve God in your patterns. Learn to pray to God about the things you don't think he cares about because he does. Learn to take the situations to God that you think have nothing to do with him. If you don't like your life, I promise it's easier than you think to change that. But you have to recognize your patterns. I've been really transparent about TV and social media for me and how I have to extremely like limit those in my life because that's a bad pattern for me. If I have a bad day, I can be on Instagram for four hours. That's disgusting, and I feel worse at the end. And I hate that I'm that way. I, it's, I, I am, every time I think I probably have enough self-control and I try it again, I don't. So here we are years later, and I still just have to keep deleting it because every time I try to bring it back with some boundaries, I blow through the boundaries. So that's just something that is difficult for me um, to put, put boundaries on. But it's a pattern. It's a pattern. For so many people, Netflix is a pattern. It's not good for anyone's human brain to watch six to eight hours of TV. I promise. It's not, right? <laughs> uh, there's a pattern for some of us that when we get stressed, we eat. I make a lot of jokes about how I love ice cream, but it's a little bit of a problem. If I have a good day, I eat ice cream to make it better. If I have a bad day, I eat ice cream to make it better. All emotions lead to food, and that's not healthy. It's a pattern, right? It's a pattern. When I get tired and I don't get enough rest, I'm really short-tempered. I can be short-tempered anyway, but especially when I'm sleepy. That's a pattern. That's a character fault that I have. Start recognizing the patterns in your life. If you feel like you can't see them, ask someone that you trust. Ask someone who lives with you. Ask somebody who loves you and knows you really well. Because identifying your patterns will allow you to change them and let God be God in your life. Too many people turn to things and try to make them be God, like Netflix and TV and porn and social media and food and relationships. My goodness, listen, if you have a pattern of breaking up with the wrong person only to start dating another wrong person two weeks later, it's a pattern. It is a pattern. If you say, I don't know why I always pick people like this, why do they always turn out like this? It's a pattern. It's a pattern, and patterns can be changed once you identify them. And that's how to let God be God in your life. I'm going to end here in Proverbs 16. I'm going to read a few more of these verses again just because I love them. Mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word, and that's good news. Put God in charge of your work. Then what you've planned will take place. That's good news. When God approves of your life, even your enemies will end up shaking your hand. We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. That's good news. The road to right living bypasses evil. Watch your step and save your life. It pays to take your life seriously, and things work out when you trust in God. Make your motions and cast your votes, but God has the final say, and that's good news. Let God be God in your life. 
I love you guys very much. I want you to know, I was thinking this today, I, we have like a really diverse group of interests and ages and backgrounds in this room, and I just love that, and I want you guys to know that this is a place where you belong. This is a place where you're cared about. I love you a whole lot. There's a lot of adults in this room who love you a whole lot, and we're just here to support you guys. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 